Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Today, I'm very excited to have with us Jonathan Hammond. He is the author of The Shaman's Mind, Huna Wisdom to Change Your Life. In The Shaman's Mind, Jonathan sets out and accomplishes teaching the reader how to align and transform their own mind to see the world through the lens of the indigenous healers of old. He teaches how to think like a shaman and attune yourself to a magical spectrum of infinite possibilities, unseen truths, alternative realities, and spiritual support. A graduate of Harvard University and the University of Michigan, Jonathan is an interfaith minister and certified spiritual counselor. He also holds certificates as a master teacher in shamanic Reiki in Cherokee bodywork and in Ho'oponopono as an ordained um, Alkai leader guide through Aloha International. He teaches classes and gives lectures in shamanism, energy healing, spirituality, and Huna at One Spirit Learning Alliance in New York City and Omega Institute for Holistic Studies, and other major venues around the world. For more information, you can visit Jonathan's website, which is www.mindbodyspiritnyc.com. And with that, I'd like to welcome Jonathan to the show. Good day, Jonathan. Aloha. It's really great to be here. And just to let you off the hook, no one says Ho'oponopono right, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It is so funny because, you know, I, I of course, you know, did the Google machine and checked out, how do you pronounce it? You know, so I got a few different versions, of course, and I, I did the phonetics on a piece of paper, but uh, yeah, it was just one of those things that... Um, yeah, but anyway, it's, it's and, all good. and I may be, I'm, and I may butcher some of the other the terms, but, but anyway, it's, it's the idea and the attempt, I think, at times. So, well, I am really looking forward to talking about uh, your book and, and your work. And um, before we start talking about I know what inspired you to write the book, um, I know that you, after reading the book, I know that you enjoy synchronicity and, and, and coincidence as some people, you know, to, to look at things. And um, now, over the 10 years I've done this show, um, I would say maybe a couple handful of times, I've had occasion where I would, like, read someone's book, um, and then there would be something that kind of stood out in my mind. And then the day of the show something happens that it's like, oh, you know, that kind of pops back up and it's like, oh, well, obviously I need to talk about that. <laughs> so um, that happened today. Um, uh, I, you know, pull, I have tarot cards and, I, and I, I used a deck that I've had for 30 years um, and I've used it off and on throughout the years. It kind of you know, comes and goes as far as usage. But anyway, it's uh, a Voyager deck that I bought 30 years ago in Kauai, Hawaii. And I thought, okay, so I usually pull a three-card spread. 
just to see what the energy is kind of like around with the, the day to look forward for the day. Anyway, the first card I put pull in my spread is Seeker. And I thought, hmm, now this is really interesting because in your book, the first line in the preface of the book, which is one that I had already highlighted to talk about, um, it's that you say that this book is about becoming a finder and no longer a seeker. <laughs> so I thought, well, wow. Now pulling that's the right. seeker. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I thought, that's the, the first line of my card, book. You know? Wow. That's so fascinating. It is. So, you know, uh, you know, but of course now throughout the day, of course, I was thinking seeker, seeker, you know, and, and, you know, I understand, I think I understand what you mean by that, but can you tell us, you know, why you opened it up with that line? You know, obviously we need to, to talk about being a seeker. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that, I think that so often in contemporary spirituality, uh, what we're dealing with is, is sort of an endless processing where we don't actually get to the benefit of the healing and healing really is a real thing. It really does happen and it really can happen. And a lot of times uh, when we think of being on the spiritual path, we're just reaching outside of ourselves. We're just reaching uh, uh, something that we just can't quite attain. And, um, and there really are very simple answers to being on the spiritual path, to healing, to stepping into your purpose, and uh, a lot of times there's actually internal resistance or wounding from, from a very long time ago, a whole bunch of reasons why we don't just claim and own and step into who we are supposed to become. And so the reason why I, I, uh, I started the book with that, this book is about becoming a finder and no longer a seeker, is because that's actually not something that you hear a lot in contemporary spiritual parlance. Uh, it's all about the seeker and not actually sitting in the gifts, sitting in the uh, in the riches of what we can create if we align with ourselves and we align with the divine. So that's why I why I started the book that way. Yeah, I I, I like that. Now the one thing, um, you know, because as I was in my ponderance, uh, yeah, I thought, well, now aren't we? always going to be a seeker? I mean, and I understand that, you know, one of the, you know, you talk about, you know, when you get get to that particular point, you know, and, and sitting in that um, achievement or, the, or that state or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're seeking and that you found, just enjoying that. Now, um, I think it was later on in the book, you, you know, you indicated that someone, when someone asked you about, um, healing, you know, um, you know about being healed, and you had um, a definition of it that I thought was really good. Um, something about um, uh, kind of basically being in the moment and, and, and um, that, enjoying the and moment the most in the moment. Of the time. Setting yeah. things up enjoying in such a way that we enjoy the moment most of the time. Yeah, and just to say, of course, there is no plateau. Anyone who tells you that there's a plateau okay. where, where you just don't have to creatively engage with life anymore, uh, no, of course that's not true. Uh, but it is a matter of, of getting to, to a point where 
you can actually creatively engage with life, which, which to me is the definition of living a spiritual life, that you are able and you have the, the choice and the freedom to creatively engage with what's happening in your life, with what's happening inside of you, with what's happening in your relationships, and with what's happening in the world, particularly now, and that you actually have choice and freedom to continue to, to engage and make choices and adjust based on that. So it's not about a plateau that you find. It's about moving mm-hmm. into a kind of freedom and a kind of sense of self and sense of autonomy that allows you to create your life as life presents itself to you and as life flows through you. Because as life flows through you, you will shift and change as well. And what is important to you on one day will next week all of a sudden not be important and new chapters will open. And so it's about um, being able to uh, 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 tend to ourselves in such a way that we're enjoying that process, that we're, we are healed enough to enjoy the process of creatively engaging in our lives. So that's what I meant by that. Yeah, and it's agree. a pretty low yeah, bar and, if you and, think about it. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, it, but the, the thing is, you know, when you, you, what, what I also enjoy, recognize is that, you know, most of the time, you know, that, that uh, recognition that it's not something that you, you know, of being, at, being at that particular level 100% of the time, you know, because it's, you know, for many people, um, I think many people feel that there is going to be that particular endpoint, you know, um, and, uh, and get disappointed with themselves, you know, for not um, achieving that particular goal. No, and there is no end point. There is, there is no end point. Yeah. And it's really, it's about the now. It's about the now. In, yeah. in Huna, in the, in the philosophy that I write about, one of the principles of Huna, and I know we'll talk about that later, is, is about the now. Is about now is the moment of power. So now is the only place where we can actually access power because now is the only place where we can actually do anything. So you can't get burnt by yesterday's sun. You can't get wet by tomorrow's rain. You can only do uh, uh, anything in the now. And so that's where power resides. And so that means that we have the power moment by moment by moment to start over, to, to co-create again, to recreate again. And, and that's, what, that's the freedom that I'm talking about, about allowing yeah. yourself um, to be in the now to such a point where you can do that. That makes good sense. So, why did you write this book? What, what inspired you to write this book? Well, when I came across this philosophy, this, uh, this, this is a shamanic philosophy that comes out of Polynesia. And I had had, I'd been bit by the Hawaii bug, and I'd had some really formative uh, spiritual experiences in Hawaii, really unexplainable stuff that I, I read about in the first chapter of, of, of the book. And, but when I came across this philosophy after, being, after having a, a private healing practice for many years, after seeing patterns with clients, patterns in energy, patterns in wounding, different uh, uh, symbols and archetypes that, that kept uh, showing themselves in, in the client work, what I found in this philosophy was something that was so universal in terms of how one shamanically, how one thinks like a shaman thinks, like a healer thinks. And the, the uh, philosophy of Huna, um, actually, if you, if you follow it, if you learn about it, if you um, integrate it into your everyday life, you begin to see through that lens and, and you um, enter into 
uh, what it's like to actually be to, to live shamanically and to think shamanically and to think like a healer. And there is a way to, to think like a healer in terms of healing your own life, even if you don't have a practice and you're not a professional healer. And so when I found this philosophy, it was, it was so elegantly stated. And as, as, I, um, as maybe we talk about the principles, they're nothing new. You've heard them all before. You've heard something like them all before. But they're put together in such an elegant way and in such a simple way and such a practical way that it really only requires the discipline and the real heart's yearning to actually um, work with them and use them and utilize them. And as you do, you see that you enter into all of these infinite possibilities. You know, uh, one of the esoteric word, or definitions of the word shaman is one who sees in the dark. And what that means mm. is, is that the shaman has access to that which is underneath, to the invisible reality, to the alternative reality. And whatever is presented in consensus reality, there is always something underneath it that a lot of times is much more uh, exciting and um, uh, and holds much more promise and potential than the consensus reality that we're experiencing. And the shaman, he or she, can can enter into and feel into what those hidden possibilities may be, which then open up this consensus reality to all of these other possibilities. And Huna, this philosophy, helps us do that. Yeah. So now... So then shamanism then would be the process of accessing those areas, the unseen areas? Yeah, well, shamanism is, um, I would call that a more like shamanic practice. What shamanism really is, shamanism is is about the reverence of nature. It's about revering Mm. nature. Now, the reason why we would revere anything is because because it has something to teach us about ourselves. And so if you look at nature, what do you see? If you, if you take a forest and you leave it alone to do its thing, that forest will continue an endless process of growth and creation. Left to its own devices, that is the energy of nature, growth and creation. You also see in the forest that it's, it's an interconnected uh, cosmology. Everything fits together. Everything exists. Nature never turns on itself. It doesn't tell itself no. It doesn't deny itself what, what is good for it. Nature just expresses itself. Nature is in a constant expression of yes. And in that way, in that way, you might think of of, of the flowing of love and, and of the creative force. And so to emulate nature is to know that we are no different, that nature, we are indeed nature, and nature flows through us in the same way. We are that force, and there is an endless flow of growth and creation in us that will always bring us to the, to, to the next thing in our lives. But, but what's so important is to emulate, uh, th- th- to remember that nature is also about interconnection. It's also about, um, um, it's also about, about n- not, not closing down on oneself. And that's why, mm-hmm. that's why, so that's sort of the, the cosmology of shamanism. And then shamanic healing or shamanic practice is about all the ways in which we heal the parts of ourselves that don't allow us to do that. Hmm. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so now you have uh, had a history of being an actor, and you went from being an actor to your current 
um, profession, a uh, uh, other speaker. Um, tell us, uh, would you mind sharing that story about that transition? I think there are a lot of, of people course. out there who are in transition right now. <laughs> we, a lot of of course, and it's so important to follow it, even if it if it feels counterintuitive to to when it's time to change your life to change your life. And I absolutely had that experience. You know, I, I was a I was an actor. I was very artistically driven as opposed to celebrity driven. Like I really cared about the stories that I was telling and I cared about affecting people in a certain way. And and that part is very congruent with the work that I do now. But in addition to that, when you think about acting, what are you doing? You're you're learning the lines, you're learning the blocking, and then you're hoping that inspiration comes through in the moment. And the acting is a kind of channeling. And what what I found was as as a child, I was I was doing that, and my parents uh, could only the, the only context they had for for that was was uh, acting, and so they identified me as actor. But what I was really doing, what I've always been doing, is a kind of channeling, allowing inspiration to come through, mm-hmm. and allowing narrative to come through, and to affect people with that inspiration and that narrative. So I, I was a, a successful uh, uh, New York actor for many years, and then. On the volcano in Hawaii, about uh, about uh, ten years ago, I had a um, a very formative experience, and it became very clear to me. Uh, I received a message that uh, that just told me that you you got you got to hang it up, and you have to move into this other work. And and to be honest, at the time, it was it was uh, an identity crisis. It was the last thing that any of my friends or family would ever have thought that I would do. Um, but I, I felt a calling. I'd always had a spiritual, a, a kind of a rich spiritual life as an actor, but I was still, that was my, my, my profession was acting. And the, the spiritual life was, I thought, more just to cope with the difficulties of show business. But somehow that really took hold and, um, and the direction of my life changed. And it, there was also a feeling, and I know a lot of people are, are, are feeling this as well, particularly at this time. There was a feeling of I can't spend myself in this life in the way that I need to. I can't affect the collective as as strongly and um, as 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 I as I felt like I needed to. That I, I I was I had a call to serve the planet and to serve others in in a way that the acting just didn't allow me to do um, to the extent that I needed it to. And so it's so important that when we do feel that call to serve uh, to um, uh, to help the world, to save the earth, even uh, to listen to it. Yeah, very much so. And, and you know, and I also remember in, in that part of the book when you were talking about that, that um, when it came time to um, being out, you know, as far as the uh, spiritual aspects and, and, and beliefs and practices, that your manager was kind of like, well, you know, that's maybe not so good in, in the industry. And you know, and I oh, think there's, that's, that's right. Probably there are a lot of that's you know, right. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, there, there was a feeling. You know, that's right. There was a feel. I was hiding. I was hiding my spiritual uh, spiritual life in order to fit in and to become castable. And just just to say too, you know, in this culture, we are all. The expectation in this culture is that we are to assimilate. We are to fit in. We are to look like everyone else. We are to keep up with the Joneses. There is a way to do things, and we're supposed to follow that. And, um, and to live a spiritual life, and certainly to practice Huna, but, but to live a spiritual life is to say that, that the authority of, of my life and my truth lies between my ears and in my heart and in my belly, and that, that there is no one 
or nothing outside of me that has more influence over how I am to direct my life, how I am to think, than me. And that's a, that's a big ask for a lot of people because in this very social media um, a world mm-hmm. we live in, uh, uh, it's all about fitting in. And the spiritual life is about following your own directives, your own truth. And that's the biggest thing that, that people struggle with is to, is to, is to, let, uh, to let their life come through them without the influence of the other and without trying to find your reflection in the other. In, in, in a spiritual yeah, boy. Life, you know, we're, 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 uh, we're following invisible forces, right? We're, we're, we're worshiping invisible forces. We are, we, you know, we're following inner directives. There's no empirical data to the spiritual life. And so, so, um, and so anyone who follows it, a lot of times with clients, I'll say to them, you know what, you're a little weird. And when I say that, I see the relief on their face because it's like, yes, I am a little weird. I'm not like everyone else. And it's so important. It's so important that we, that we give ourselves permission to be who we actually are, even if it's not following along with expectations and rules of, of society. It's so important. Absolutely. Yeah, that is. And, you know, I think, you know, it's getting better. Um, Well, it seems that people are becoming more aware of it, but, you know, like you say, with social media too, you know, there is that um, constant shaping of our perception of ourselves through others' perceptions of us, you know, and uh, instead of how we actually feel about ourselves. That's right. And, you know, I, I do think, yeah. you know, some of the, just to talk about, uh, talk about this time on the planet, I do feel like that the medicine, the beneficial medicine of, of COVID-19 for so many of us is that it has asked us to go inside. It has asked us to go and get close with ourselves. And so many people, in fact, all of my clients, as opposed to really suffering during this time, not to say that suffering isn't there, but, um, but so many mm-hmm. of my clients are having this exponential growth during this time. And it's because they've, they've, uh, they've exited the gerbil wheel uh, uh, going, going, doing, doing, uh, uh, expectation of society, expectation of job. And they've just gone, gone um, inward. And in that, they've actually gotten very close to themselves and really began to look at what is it in me that still needs healing? What is it in me that is false? What about that life outside doesn't feel right anymore? And there's been a deep reprioritization uh, that has happened. And I, I feel like that's part of the fortification of, uh, what is to follow? Because w- when when the dust clears and we can go outside and COVID nineteen is behind us, we're that's when that's the time of the healer, and that's when all of us who have done that work, who have gone inward, will shepherd in, will help to shepherd in this new consciousness. Mm. And everyone has a part to play with that. And certainly, anyone listening to this, um, that you're a part of that. Whether or not you you consider yourself a healer or not, there are, there are all kinds of ways. Uh, to to um, to bring people to send people to love and to interconnection and to uh, and to reverence of, for the earth and for each other and that's what's being asked of all of us and so this is this in this yeah. time has been really great about going internal because of that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, literally going inside ourselves. You know, I mean, we're that's right. We're inside the house. I mean, and and if ever there was a um, teacher or or a display of the interconnectedness of everything. This is certainly highlighting that, Um, you know, as you know, not only just people and and countries, but also um, ourselves with our environment, 
because I mean things that hadn't been seen in decades. Um, you know, when the that uh, human footprint was kind of slowed down or stopped for a couple months, really demonstrated our impact. I think. No, that's right. And and, and one of the principles of Huna, the second principle, is called Kala, and it means. Uh, the translation, and all, all the translations are by my particular Hawaiian teacher who, who, who took seven words, and they're his unique translations that he sort of passed down to us. But the second one is called Kala, which is translated, there are no limits. And what that means is that there, there, it is a limitless universe. It is a, a limitless in your own mind. And that means that separation from the other is only an illusion. So another way to say it is that there is only one big thing happening, and each of us is an aperture through which that one thing sees itself. And so that means that any work that we do on ourselves, any healing that we do in ourselves, affects directly, because we, are, we, we cannot separate ourselves from the collective, affects directly the collective. So to heal yourself is to heal the other. So my, my teacher, Serge King, he would say, if you want to heal someone, Think of them and you feel good. Think of them and you feel yeah. good. And, that, and that's really, that, that's how interconnected we are. And I have never felt in my, in my lifetime how, uh, uh, how potent that principle is and how much it speaks to what is truly going on on the planet because we cannot escape. We, it, it's, it's no longer a time to look over there and that's happening over there. It's happening to us too. There's only one thing happen, happening. There are no limits. Exactly. Well, I just want to let listeners know in a couple of minutes, we're going to be taking a real short break. And if you would like to ask Jonathan any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat, room, if you have any questions, feel free to pose them there. Um, so Hawaii, tell, tell us about your connection with your, your connection with Hawaii. I mean, first of all, I just have to tell you, I've been there just a few times. But I certainly enjoy seeing it again through your eyes and words. Um, so tell us about um, your connection with it. Sure. Well, well, my my connection is actually something I don't understand. It it, it was just I I when I when I went there initially, I just I kept having these experiences, and then I, then three thousand miles away in New York City, I kept having Hawaii experiences. And again, I write about about them in my book, and I had so many synchronicities around Hawaii, that, that's, that that began my search into Hawaiian shamanism. My shamanic path before that was, it was Central America, South America, like, like most are, but, but I, w- I was called there. The, the main thing I can say about Hawaii is that Hawaii sits on a vortex of power. Hawaii sits on, on what, what was once called Mu, M-U, which is an ancient continent that, that before cataclysmic shifts in the earth was a, a, a utopian kind of place. And it's been theorized that that uh, it was the source of so much of the esoteric wisdom that went out to the whole world, or that it was the recipient of esoteric wisdom from uh, from around the world. And so there is a sense when you go to Hawaii that 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 the land itself uh, has its own power, has its own uh, ancient wisdom that you can't escape. And there's there's an there's an aspect of just being in in Hawaii that is aspirational. It's kind of like you can't even you, you have to engage your imagination to even be there because, because you just can't believe what, what you're seeing and what you're feeling. And so, um, and so uh, when, I, when, when I think of Hawaii, and, what, and what, what I want the reader to get is that it's not even so much about Hawaii. 
It's about aspiration, inspiration, and that each of us need to create our own Hawaii. We each need to imagine our own, uh, our own paradise. Paradise, is, from a shamanic perspective, heaven is not somewhere that we get to when we pass on, but heaven is here. God is here right now in our material lives. We're given bodies in which we can, we can feel all of the pleasures of the body, and that is to experience all the joys of life uh, to their fullest. That's the whole purpose of the shamanic path. And, you just, and Hawaii just is something that makes you want to do that even more. So that's my connection to oh. Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is a magical place um, for sure. So um, we're going to take that quick break, um, and then when we come back, I want to talk about HUNA, uh, what it is, and then um, maybe we can just briefly cover what the seven principles are, okay? Sounds beautiful. Good. Good. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this very brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc., and we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us. Again, today, my special guest is Jonathan Hammond, and he is author of The Shaman's Mind, Huna Wisdom to Change Your Life. And again, you can find out more by visiting Jonathan's website, which is www.mindbodyspiritnyc.com. Okay, with that, we're back, Jonathan. Hello again. Hello again. Okay. So, Huna. Now, I understand that you became, and I love plays on words, and you became a Hunatic at some point in this process. I um, did. So, can you tell, <laughs> tell, us, tell us exactly what, what Huna is all about? Yeah. So, Huna is it, it's a, a shamanic philosophy that, uh, that um, you learn. There, there are certain uh, rules or certain ideas that you, that, that you follow. And they follow largely uh, along the lines of how the subconscious mind works. And maybe I'll talk more about that uh, in a little bit. But uh, th- th- there's a lot to Huna, but, but the, basic, the basis of them are seven principles. And so uh, just to talk about each one very, 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 very briefly. So the first principle says the world is what you think it is. So what that means is that not only your experience of the world, 
is based on how you think about it, but that the world itself, that reality itself will shift and change based on how you think about it. So that means that we are in a co-creative relationship with the world, with reality, and that our thoughts, beliefs, and intentions actually create reality. So that that's the first. So so the power of the mind yeah. is so important in the Huna philosophy. Yeah. No, you want to say something? I, and, and we can yeah we can we can go through them. But I really wanted to um, make a a note on this particular one. Um, yeah. In this one, you talked about you know that we have a actually a contemporary political example. <laughs> A, a, a negative kind of application of sure. of this, it, it, and sure. um, it, it was funny because as I was, I mean, I I'm kind of right there with you with you know the record, the view of um, of that experience of, of you know the, the beliefs that are being anyway. I, I was it just for me it kind of a lot of times I would get frustrated, like, how could they be thinking that or believe that when this, da, 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 you know? Right. And um, after reading what you wrote, it was like, huh, I can see how that could happen. That's right. That, that's right. Because this principle is saying the world is what you think it is. Your thoughts create reality. So that means, particularly if masses of people are thinking thoughts that, are, are, that may or may not be factually true, that uh, on some level, a new reality is being created based on the fact that so many people are believing a certain thing. And so there was a certain point in 2017 where someone in a, a certain presidential administration <laughs> talked yeah. about alternative facts. And alternative facts was, it was, was something that, that allowed people to go, oh, if it's an alternative fact and the world is what I think it is, and what, is, what I think is so is so, then I am going to, I'm going to adjust my beliefs and how I think based on this new fact and this new reality is created. And that's why you turn on one uh, um, news channel and you get one narrative and you turn on another and you get another new narrative because the world is what everyone thinks it is. And so if you get enough people to, to uh, think one way, then that becomes a reality. And that really is just to say, you know, when we, when we sit there with our arms folded and, and we're, we're mad that others, you know, our, others are, are subscribing to a reality that makes no sense to us, to them, that is a reality. And it might be based on fear. It might be based on, um, on miseducation. Mm -hmm. It might be based on even mind control. But it is another reality. And that reality then actually becomes a physical reality. And so, it, and, and yeah. so that's sort of a, a, negative, uh, a negative connotation of the first principle. But imagine using this first principle, the world is what you think it is, uh, to create loving, positive uh, interconnection, right. uh, uh, um, uh, communion with the earth. You know, so, so yeah. it, it does work both ways. It, it does. powerful you know, stuff, it, right? But, when, yeah, yeah, and when I read that, I mean, it was kind of, you know, it was just one of those moments I paused, of many moments as I was reading your book. I just kind of paused and thought, thought well, you know, now, I mean, it makes sense. And, um, you know, and the fact that there really are, actually, everyone's reality is, you know, different, you know. So, I mean, there are multiple, you know, billions of different types of realities out there, you know, that um, – you know, there really are. Very now, what's one, that's yeah. right. And just to say, and the wonderful thing about it is that you get to choose which one. 
And why wouldn't you choose one that that is that is that is inclusive and that allows you an opportunity allows you opportunities to grow and to to aspire, you know, because because um, uh, there are a million realities out there. And and what Huna says is that you have the choice to decide which one that is. And that's why I use Hawaii as a metaphor, because why not create Hawaii? Your version of Hawaii. Yeah, and you know, and I think you know, that that choice is is the key element because in in many cases, I think people, first of all, don't recognize that they have a choice, you know, and and many people would rather someone choose for them, you know, rather than you know, that's right, make that's a, right. a decision for themselves and, and take responsibility. So, and, and we you know, actually in Huna but, in Huna we actually consider choice to be a magical talent. It's actually magic. It actually facilitates yeah. magic, so uh, it, it really is important. Great. And you do, you do have choice. You do have choice. Yeah. And if you don't have choice, As, that's what needs addressing. That's what needs healing. Yeah. Now, and, and before we go into the, the number two principle, um, yeah. also um, at the end of each of the the principles, you also have a practice. You included a practice. Um, that's so right. tell us, uh, you know, about. Um, kind of how you chose those, and and I know the the practice and and for the first one was um, regarding beliefs, and it had to do with journaling. So can you right. mind? Would you mind sharing? Because I think again, sometimes people, um, it's helpful to provide um, sure. a way to apply sure. what they've learned. That's right. That's right. You know, shamanism is very experiment experiential. That's really you know that's really how people get it. I can I can I can talk ideas, and you know, and this is heady material, but it's really in the experience that you begin to integrate it um, into your life and into your own understanding. So with every principle and with every, every major topic in the book, there are practices, journeys, meditation, something to help you integrate that material uh, so that you understand it for you. So in terms of the world is what you think it is, the, 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 practice, the practice that I, I, I suggest is that you just start to look at and write down what are you believing? What are your beliefs? What are you actually, what are, what's on autopilot? Because if what's on autopilot in terms of, in terms of our beliefs, right, you, you know, they say that, they say that we have 70,000 thoughts a day, 69,999 of which we had yesterday. And so, so that means that so many of our thoughts are just on autopilot and those thoughts are, according to this first principle are creating reality. And so to actually slow down enough to actually go, what am I thinking and believing? And do I need to think and believe that? And it's so important that, that we examine that because, um, because like I said, it, it, uh, our, our life is manifested based on it. Like a very simple example, if you are, and this is just an example, if you are a woman over 35 and you have a belief that all women over 35 will probably end up alone, that is what you are creating, truly engaging in magical practice by having that belief and by fortifying it and strengthening it and saying it over and over again. And so if you don't want to be a single woman over 30, 35, then you want to examine that belief and you want to believe something else. And so, and so that, that's what we begin to examine with that first principle. Yeah, it's great. I, I enjoyed that because um, again, you know, for me, um, and now I mean, people can mod- modify the, the practices to, to fit their particular um, desire, but um, I think it's a great way to at least get people thinking about how to apply um, the principles. So, okay, right. so the, the first one was the world is what you think it is. Let's talk yep. about, what about number two. 
Yeah, well, I, I mentioned it, I think, in the first segment. It's that there are no limits, which means that separation right. is merely an illusion. And so what that really means is that whatever you want, you're already connected to. That we're connected, we're connected via thought to anything on the planet. That, and it's not just the, li- the, uh, the limitlessness of the, of the physical world, but it's the limitlessness of our own minds. So this principle is saying uh, anything is possible if you can figure out how to do it. And, uh, and, uh, and that's just a, a, a way to, to think of it. And so what the practice, uh, I, won't, I won't go through all the practices, but the practice that I, I go through in the book is really just about what is it that you want to, it, what is it that, that you want and how do you find your connection to it just with your thoughts, beliefs, and intentions now? Even though you don't know how you're going to get it, you don't know who's going to pay for it, you don't know uh, anything like that. But just to actually let go of the fear and doubt about getting or having or wanting these things and just step for a moment into limitlessness and feel what it's like to know that these things are, are available to you with the power of your thoughts with the power of your mind. Of course, you need to take action as well, but, but just to break through some of, the, some of that, the, the fear and doubt around the things that we want, there, there's, uh, there's uh, exercises in the book about breaking through that. So that's really what the, the second principle is about, limitlessness. Yeah, and, and the visioning exercise is a really good one. So, okay, right. so how about number three? Yeah, this is a good one. So uh, this principle says energy flows where attention goes means is that whatever we put our attention and our focus on, whatever we put our attention and our focus on with consistency, elicit the creative energies of the universe that then, that then create the process of bringing to us the nearest physical equivalent of what we've put our attention and our focus on. So that means that what, what we focus on with consistent, consistency elicit the creative energies of the universe to bring about what it is that we want. So it's not just our thoughts that are powerful, but, but our thoughts actually elicit. It's like we live in a symbiotic relationship with the universe, and the universe will lend us some of its creative spark based on what we're focusing on. So that's that principle. Yeah, it, yeah and I, yeah, you know, I, I love that one. I had um, – Dr. Goswami, who's a um, quantum uh, physicist on, on one time, and, and when I was reading a couple of his books, uh, one of the things that he talks about in that one is the, um, the light uh, wave particle um, aspect, that, that light is a wave until it's observed, and then it's a particle. And it was like, you know, to me, was, that was a, a wonderful indication of, I mean, a demonstration of how um, something that is uh, unseen um, once given attention, becomes something seen and real. So I mean, that's right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And you know, all the quantum scientists, the quantum scientists, uh, you know, have 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 come about, and they can measure what the shamans always knew. And um, and uh, and so it's so everything that I'm talking about here, there there is a quantum basis to all of it. Um, uh, and, and I actually, I do, I do make a, a, a few correlations about the quantum sciences in relationship to the principles, but from a shamanic point of view, we're practical, we're earthy and we, we, you know, it's just better to think like, uh, if you focus, if you give your focus and attention to something, right. energy follows <laughs> yeah. too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I mean, but it, you know, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, it's, it's interesting how science 
is um, backing up and, and supporting, you know, esoteric practices of, of long ago, you know, and it's, um, I, I just think it's, it's interesting because there are people who, you know, show it to me, you know, give me the, the data and I'll, you know, I'll go with it. Um, that's right. That's, that's, that's right. People. But, and, and then that's, there are others who are like, you know, just give me the experience and I'm cool with that. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and yeah. you know, it's good to, it's good to, it's good to look at it from both sides. You know, I mean, I was lucky right. Well, and just to even say, in shamanism, you know, what do we do in shamanism? We play with drums, we play with rattles, we play with bells, we we uh, we commune <laughs> uh, with imaginary friends. You know, it's very, very, very childlike. And so, uh, you know, uh, and so the quantum sciences are a way to sort of understand what's actually going on energetically and spiritually in those practices. Uh, but if you can, if you can bring yourself back to a time when you had a conscious daydream and you created your own reality in the corner of your room or in the corner of your yard, then you were actually, uh, you were actually doing what I'm suggesting in the book. It's just that if you do that with consistency, it becomes your life. It becomes your reality. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so how about the fourth principle? Yeah, the fourth is the fourth. I talked about that earlier. It's just now is the moment of power. So now, oh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. power only exists in the now, and now is the only place you can do something. And what's wonderful about that is it really says you can start over, over and over and over again. You can start over. The other thing I love about this principle is that it really allows you to let go of your past. And what I what I mean by that is, you know, we are all suffering from not knowing what we didn't know. We, uh, this, is the, the, this is the cause of needless suffering, people looking at things that they did in the past, mistakes they made, bad behavior, addictions, whatever it was, and on some level they, they look at that and there's a, it's a source of shame and regret, when the fact is, is that if you really go back to that bad behavior, you were trying to do something, you were trying to meet a need, mm-hmm. you were trying to alleviate some sort of pain, and so to reframe that behavior in the now, is, is such a powerful thing because, because when you do, the only thing that is um, uh, the only appropriate response to that is just blanket forgiveness. You didn't know what you didn't know. And so you can, and you can let that go in the now. And so that's the power of that principle. Yeah, that's great. And, and you know, that reframing of the past is, is a very powerful tool, you know, because um, again, like you said, you know, people carry, um, guilt, shame, you know, some type of limitation um, because, you know, because they didn't know. I mean, because of, of the actions, which they, you know, life has taught them otherwise, you know. you know. That's right. And, and it, it might not even so, be their yeah. behavior. It may also just be, it may also be mm-hmm. the behavior of another. Where, you know, if you were mistreated, if you were, as a child, if you were neglected, if you were abused, any of those things, what happens is that we hold those things and, and we form an identity around them. We actually form a sense of self around them. And, and that's a mistake. Yes, that happened to you, but that's not you. And so you can yeah. start to, to, to look at those things and recalibrate your identity. But again, the only place you can do that is right now. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, let's move on to the fifth one. The fifth, the fifth one is love, aloha. And what, what this principle is, you know, in, in Huna, we, the only ethic we have, the only rule that we adhere to is that, uh, is that love's perspective always be present. And, uh, and that's really all it means is that, is that, um, that 
that whatever choices we're making, whatever thoughts we're thinking, um, whatever beliefs we're having, uh, that, that if love's perspective is, is uh, part of those, we, will, we, 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 find our, we find our way and we move into flow. And if you remember earlier when I was talking about shamanism and the energy of nature, the energy of nature is mm-hmm. one of love. That is the organizing principle of the cosmos. And so to, to uh, bring love's perspective into everything we do and every action we take is to flow with nature, is to flow with the cosmos. So that's that principle. Yeah. Aloha. Perfect. And the next one? Mana. Yeah, that means mana. Uh, mana means all power comes from within. And again, we, I, we talked earlier about uh, not starting to not care what anyone thinks and following your own, uh, your, your own self. And what this principle is saying is that, that, that the only power, that, that power, that there is nothing that has power over you unless the power within you granted that thing power over you. So that means, that means we all have infinite power because it's only one universe. Remember, there are no limits. So if there's only one universe and we are each an individual uh, an individual aspect of that. That means that all of the power of the universe surges through us, and that means all of us have it. So, uh, so everyone has the power, and uh, and to right. to um, and to, to come from that place is to um, is to completely shift the locus of, uh, of of where you create from. So, if you think about the nature mm-hmm. of power, so power over power over something that only will lead to retaliation and fear, right? Power, right. again, mm-hmm. will only lead to resistance. But real power comes when we empower, because that means we had the power to give it. And so yeah. we, are, we are cultivating our own sense of power to such an extent that we want to empower the other because we've got it to give, because we're so full. And that's an entirely that's different, different way of thinking of, of the self. Oh, very much so. Yeah, very much. So. And, and I think, um, I don't know, I, you know, I've done over the shows empowerment, you know, that, that self-empowerment, um, I think is a lot of people just don't recognize, um, you know, the, the power that they have with, you know, within themselves. And so often it's, you know, looked externally. You know, as yeah. as to circumstance, you know, power and and choice. You know, you know that. That's I mean, right. I, that's I, right. Anytime anyone says to me, "I have no choice," it's like, oh, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> you know, let's look right. at this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, we're we're giving our power away all the time. We're giving our power, and 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 right. it's as simple as every time you don't feel a feeling, every time you every time you operate on should, every time every time mm-hmm. you you follow the directives mm-hmm. of others. You know, you, you steal a little bit of your own essence. You take a little bit of your own, your own power away and you, you, and you send it off. And it's not about becoming egotistical. It's not be, uh, about becoming selfish. It's about becoming no. full of self, full of yourself. We are all divine beings. And, and, and because of that, to, to, and what do we do with the divine? We worship the divine. So to worship ourselves to such an extent that we allow ourselves to be as we are and we allow ourselves to like what we like and don't like what we don't like. That is to claim our power and, and it's okay. But yeah. again, we're so socialized away from that. Exactly. And, and the last one, Pono? The last one, the last one I love. The last one is effectiveness 
is the measure of truth. So that means if it works, it's true. And if it doesn't work, it isn't true. So, uh, uh, so th- what I love about this one is it says that, that it's only the individual truth that matters. So if you think about like the idea of absolute truth, the only absolute truth is that everything is. Everything else is just something someone made up. But, but, um, but the individual truth, if it works for you, what, how, and how do we know if it's working for you? If it's creating love, if it's making you more powerful, if it's making you more present in the now, if it's making you more foc- focused so you can elicit energy from the universe, uh, if it's making you feel limitless, and, uh, and, if, it's, and if it's empowering your beliefs, you know, then, then, then it's working. So, again, how do we know if it works? If it's in alignment with all the other principles. And, and again, this is, this is also saying that if it isn't working, no big deal. You just try something else until you find a way that it does work. And, and, and yeah, that, that's what I love about this. The, the Huna philosophy says, you know, there's a Hawaiian, um, uh, Hawaiian aphorism that says all knowledge is not taught in one school. And I won't give you the Hawaiian hmm. because I wouldn't be able to. I, I, I won't, don't remember it right now, anyway. But uh, but the idea is is that is that there there are all kinds of ways to do things. There are all kinds right. of ways to get from here to there, and the and the one that is true for you is the one that works for you. So that's right. what that principle is saying. It's pretty empowering stuff, Very isn't it? So. It is. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Now, um, gosh, we're getting down toward the end of the show, but I, I do want to cover one more topic in particular. Sure. And that's the one I can't pronounce. Ho'oponopono. Oh, 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 Ho'oponopono. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the last chapter in your book. Um, yep. But I think that it's a real important part of of It's uh, the most important part. Huna. Yeah, it's the most <laughs> yeah. important part. So, so you, you know, keep, you know with, Totally. You know, with all the all the talk that I'm talking about, about being powerful and about having choice and having freedom and all that, we do have to look at, you know, a really sober reality, which is that we all have wounds. We all have hurt. Mm -hmm. We all have uh, addiction. We all have fear. We all have doubt um, that these things exist in us. We, We learned a long time ago that we're that we're something other than the perfect and innocent divine beings that we are. And, and we hold that wounding and it looks like low self-esteem. It looks like addiction. It looks like I don't look right. It looks like uh, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm ashamed. It looks like I can't speak in public. It looks like uh, I'll be alone forever. It looks like I'm unlovable, whatever it looks like. And, and we hold those in, 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 and they're, they're embedded in our body. They're embedded in what the, the Hawaiians call the coup or the, the unconscious body-mind. We learn them to, to such a degree that, that we know them in the same way that we, we, that we learn green light means go and red light means stop. They're just a part of us. But this practice, Ho'oponopono, is about actually addressing these hurts actually addressing these mistakes, these, these, these aspects of us that are a mistake it, it, that, that we learned very early on and to address them with love. And, there, and it, that I outlined how, uh, in the book about, um, about how to do it. But if you address these things with love, because they were born of unlove. So if you address them with love, you're giving them the exact medicine that they needed to not have been created in the first place. Uh, and 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 um, and that that process ho'oponopono um, is is the practice that helps you do that. And so ho'oponopono yeah. Yeah. to give you an idea about what it means. Ho'o means to cause or to make, and pono means right or true condition of nature. But because ponopono is doubled, 
It means to make right doubly right, to make right with ourselves mm-hmm. and to make right with God. Great, good. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's a, it's a wonderful um, topic. I think, you know, people really can um, benefit from that. And also um, in the book you have a, a great illustration, too, on the, the four steps um, for those people who are visual. It kind of um, helps as well. So yeah. now You really read my I book. Been... This is amazing. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, you absorbed um, it. Wonderful. Yeah, great. So, one question, offbeat question, yep. but I asked it actually in May of a guest. In your book, the headings of your book are aligned to the left rather than conventional alignment to the right. Um, do you, what was that um, a conscious decision on your part, your publisher's part, or? Um, no, but I love it. I mean, it, I, I mean, I would have nothing to do with the, with the typesetting of it. That would be my publisher. Okay. But what I love about it, what I do love about it, is you know, the left side, the left side of the body is is the feminine side, and and shamanism is 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 the feminine. Shamanism is uh, is connected to the earth. The earth is the mother. She's intuitive. She's um, uh, she's about seeing what isn't there. She's uh, um. You know, and the right side is the masculine. That's more action-oriented, more more intellect, and more uh, more reason. And so, I love the fact that it's that it's veered towards the left because that's the subject matter of the book. So that's great. Well, well, it's funny because um, I had on in May, at the end of May, it was yep. uh, Dr. Bernie Siegel and his grandson Charlie, um, uh-huh. and they wrote a book called uh, "When When You Realize How Perfect Everything Is." Uh-huh. And I asked him on that because that was, that was the first time I had seen that. And he laughed and said, well, you know, he want, Charlie, the grandson, wanted that because he felt that he wanted people to, um, that if it was on the right side, people would kind of ignore it. On the, on, I mean, on the left side. If we were on the right side, it was unusual enough that people immediately kind of were shaken out of their, you know, preconceived, you know, like this is something different. You know, I love um, it. So I love it. That, that's wonderful. That was that. And no, that's I thought, wonderful. with yours. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. I love and the preconceived being shaken out of the preconceived. That's exactly it. I remember one time I, I took yeah. a training with a with a Buddhist nun, and she said to all of us, she said, "You know what? None of you know anything about anything." <laughs> and and yeah. I thought, what a what a teaching. That's it. You know, what a teaching. <laughs> just, and so I love that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, right alignment. That's what your book is all about. So, yeah. Well, I really appreciate your uh, talking with us today, Jonathan. I, I thoroughly, obviously, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. Um, so, um, and now we're connected on Facebook. So I, I look forward to following your journey there. So, um, is there any maybe final words that you might want to leave um, with for the listeners? Um, just that, just that, uh, I, you know, I hope you'll, I hope you'll, t- you'll take some time, whether or not it's with me or someone else. And if, the, if there's something that is inside of you, that it's time for you to address or look at, know that there's help, know that, that the universe, uh, that, that the spiritual intelligences, that the, that the intelligence of the earth itself would love for you to, uh, to heal it and address it because what you heal in you, you heal in me. And uh, so I guess that that's my wish for everyone listening today. And you can find me at uh, JonathanHammond.com or MindBodySpiritNYC. Both of them will get you to the same place. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Jonathan, and I look forward to uh, keeping in touch. Mahalo. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. Mahalo.
Again, everyone, today my special guest has been Jonathan Hammond. Uh, we've been talking about his new book, The Shaman's Mind, Huna Wisdom to Change Your Life. And again, as he mentioned, you can find out more by visiting his website, which is mindbodyspiritnyc.com or johnsonhammond.com. Both will get you to the same place. So everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at byteradio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.